What's going on guys? I'm Faraz Siddiqui from Upper Hand Fantasy. We're going to go over the top 10 fantasy rookies and their landing spots now that the NFL draft is over. All right, coming in at number one is Brees Hall. Yes, he's still the one-on-one. I like Hall to the Jets. Is it perfect? No. Is it good? I think so. The reason why it's not perfect is because Michael Carter is still there. Some people might think that the round four, day three running back in Michael Carter just gets sent into oblivion because Brees Hall was taken on day two. And I understand that rationale from a historical perspective. But the Jets like Michael Carter, he's a good back, and I think this ends up being a one-two punch. And I've said this before, I don't think Brees Hall is this amazing receiver out of the backfield. He's a good receiver, he has good hands, he makes big plays out of the backfield, but I can totally see Michael Carter coming in for two-minute drills for that third and six situation, and on most passing downs. That's kind of what I think is going to happen. And this coaching staff, you know, coming from the 49ers, I think they're going to deploy a two-back system, which is really the norm of what you see in today's NFL. I see Brees Hall coming in, taking about 60 to 65% of snaps, which is pretty good in today's NFL. It's probably going to be like top six, top seven, to be honest. Uh, and then on top of that, get all the goal line work as well. And with his talent and with the outside zone run scheme that the Jets are running, and which he's absolutely perfect for, which is why I like this landing spot, that makes him a solid RB2 at the very least in redraft this year. That's his floor. And he definitely has RB1 potential in him as soon as 2022. And by the way, the Jets offensive line has improved a ton as well. And this is not even including a potential step forward for Zach Wilson if that happens. And if it does, we're looking at a pretty good offense here. Okay, coming in at number two is Drake London. On a Falcons offense that had literally zero wide receivers, unless you're counting Kyle Pitts as one, you bring in Drake London, and now you're looking at an extremely tight target distribution between these two guys. The QB situation is definitely in flux right now, but with London, you're buying into the fact that they brought him in to obviously be their number one wide receiver. He's an early declare, he broke out at 18 years old, and he was drafted in the top 10. I wouldn't overthink this one. And I also wouldn't let the QB situation deter you from grabbing him in rookie drafts. Coming in at number three is Garrett Wilson. He gets drafted by the Jets to, I think, eventually become their number one wide receiver. Elijah Moore, obviously a great wide receiver as well. He can even be their wide receiver this year in terms of target share potentially. But I do see Garrett Wilson eventually becoming that guy in terms of overall opportunity. The route running, the after the catch ability... Remember, this coaching staff coming from the 49ers, they know how to use that type of skill set. The way I see it right now, I think Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson probably manned the outside. Elijah Moore did prove that he could do his thing on the outside and separate on the outside. Maybe they bring Corey Davis, uh, be a big slot. But either way, there might be a little bit of a distributed target share, at least in year one. And it's possible that the Jets' philosophy going into the year is run the ball as much as possible now that they have Brees Hall. But the real factor is going to be how this defense plays and whether the defense allows them to run the ball late in games or whether they're going to have to pass to catch up. Garrett Wilson is going to be a number one wide receiver at some point, but you can't overthink it with him either. Early declare, top 10 pick, and if Zach Wilson takes a step forward, you're looking at a legit number one wide receiver on a good offense. Coming in at number four is Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks has a ton of pressure on his shoulders right now. They trade away A.J. Brown during the draft. They draft him about 10 minutes later. Many people even comparing Traylon Burks' skill set to A.J. Brown's. I personally don't see that. I think he profiles a little bit differently, but I do understand the comparisons in terms of size and all that. He is coming to a team with basically no competition for targets. They have Robert Woods, who's 30 years old. They traded a six-round pick, a future six-round pick for Robert Woods. Not even 2022, 2023 six-round pick for Robert Woods. He's coming off a torn ACL. So Traylon Burks is pretty much going to be his show in the passing game in 2022. And as I mentioned before in my pre-draft top five wide receiver video, Traylon Burks has a great skill set. I just don't think he profiles in that A.J. Brown X receiver type of role. What I'm hoping for is that they play him in the slot. 
run him out of the backfield, target him out of the backfield, that sort of thing. Play him on the outside, sure, but I don't think that should be his main position. That's just not where he thrives. Now, if the Titans do use him properly, I think he's in line for a ton of opportunity in year one. He can easily become rookie of the year simply based on opportunity. And, you know, going into this year, you have to kind of rank him uh, as a wide receiver three, maybe a low-end wide receiver three, just because of the fact that where else are the Titans going to throw the ball? All right, I have Chris Olave at number five in my post-draft rookie rankings. I think the landing spot of New Orleans is a lot better than people think. Michael Thomas is coming back as the number one wide receiver, at least we think. Apparently, there are reports of more hurdles to be cleared with that ankle injury. Who knows? So Olave might potentially be their number one target at some point if there is some issue with Michael Thomas, as there has been over the past couple seasons. But even if he's number two to Michael Thomas, that's fine. I think the Saints will be less run heavy than they were last year. They literally had no one to throw the ball to. And we've seen in the past that Jameis Winston is very capable of making wide receivers very fantasy relevant. And with Olave's ability to separate his potentially elite route running skills, I think Winston's going to have no problem finding Olave in space. Amazing draft capital at number 11 overall, an early breakout. He's number five on my list. Coming in at number six is Kenneth Walker. Now, all these wide receivers that I just took before Walker, if you need a running back, I totally understand grabbing Walker before these guys. But I also understand that wide receivers have longer careers in the NFL, and overall, they're more valuable dynasty assets. When you draft a running back, you're really trying to capture this three to four year window, if that. And only special running backs and outliers potentially make it out of that window. I think Walker's landing spot in Seattle is fine. I think in year one, Rashad Penny will be very involved. I don't think he just goes away, especially considering the fact that he killed it at the end of last season. But that also happens to be the only time that Penny was actually healthy. Now, if Penny can't stay healthy this year, I think Walker easily becomes the guy, potentially becomes a workhorse. I don't think Chris Carson is going to play much of a role this year. I know they gave him that big contract, but that neck issue seems serious. They still don't have a timetable on his return. And I think that really played into them picking Kenneth Walker in the second round. Now we have no idea if Walker is going to be taken off the field on passing downs. My guess is that he will, but Pete Carroll, as you know, is overly optimistic about everything. They don't necessarily have a guy that you really want to pull Walker off the field for, but it could definitely happen. I think Pete Carroll is kind of morphing into that running back by committee type of guy, unless a running back gets super hot. Now, with all that being said, I still think that Walker is a top 20 dynasty running back right now. And if you watch my previous videos, you know that I'm a big fan of his ability in the run game. He got the second Kenneth Walker is my favorite running back in this class. Kenneth Walker is the best pure runner in this draft. And if anyone is going to come out of this draft as someone labeled as special, I think Kenneth Walker can be that guy. He got the second round draft capital that we're looking for. Chris Carson is a free agent next year. Rashad Penny only got a one year contract, so he's probably gone as well. So we're looking at a potential workhorse in 2023. And hey, don't wish with me, but Pete Cow might be gone, huh? And plus, I usually like to draft based on value rather than positional need. I can always flip value for value later on based on those needs. All right, coming in at number seven is Jamison Williams. Now, overall, landing on the Lions is, is never really great. Oh, that cold. Right, Jamison Williams wasn't too happy either, considering the fact that he couldn't even crack a smile in his opening day press conference. Now, if the Lions can actually replace Jared Goff with a legit quarterback, I think they have a pretty good offense. Hawkinson, Swift, Amara St. Brown, Jamison Williams. That's a pretty solid receiving core right there. I honestly wasn't expecting a whole lot of Jamison Williams in year one because of the fact that he's coming off the ACL injury. But in year two... I do expect some stuff, and that might come with a new quarterback. 
Now, I do believe in Williams' talent. I do think he's more than just a vertical threat. But now you're on an offense that you really have to put the versatility on display so that you can separate yourself from a target share perspective. I'm hoping that he becomes like a legit fantasy asset, like that I know he has in him, rather than just a, you know, a really good asset for the Lions from a pure NFL football perspective. By the way, guys, I just want to thank you for, for watching this far. If you can like the video, that would help me a ton. All right, moving on. Coming in at number eight is Sky Moore. Now, if you've seen my rookie draft kit, you know how much I like Sky Moore. If you look at his player card, it's just green everywhere. And now he's paired with Patrick Mahomes. And by the way, if you haven't checked out my rookie draft kit, please do shop.upperhandfantasy.com or you can download the Underdog app. Use the link in the description down below. Use the code UPPERHAND when you're making that first deposit. It's just a minimum of $10. That deposit will be doubled up to 100 bucks. And I'm gonna send you that rookie draft kit for free. And it's updated with all the landing spots. But anyway, back to Sky Moore. Now, I think Sky Moore can play anywhere. He can play on the outside. He can play on the inside. But the fact that Juju is there and he really profiles as a slot guy rather than someone being able to separate on the outside like Sky Moore can, I would imagine that Sky Moore just becomes that guy on the outside from the jump. When you compare him to Juju, he fares much better against man coverage, against press coverage. And if you think about it, Juju has a one-year contract. Tyreek Hill's gone. So we're looking at Sky Moore as Patrick Mahomes' new number one wide receiver potentially over the next couple seasons, which is obviously very intriguing and I'm very excited for that landing spot. But what I don't want to do is overvalue Sky Moore and overvalue the landing spot and take him over who I think are the much clearer top five wide receivers in this draft class. The landing spot, we have to remember, is just a moment in time and things can change very quickly. So yes, I agree that landing spot in redraft might matter more, especially when you're considering year one. Uh, but from a dynasty perspective, you want to focus more on the talent and weigh that a little bit more heavily. But for now, Moore's landing spot elevates him. It elevates his game. So I'd be extremely happy to grab him after those guys are gone in rookie drafts. Now moving on to number nine, George Pickens. Now Pickens dominated in his freshman year, had a terrible quarterback his sophomore year, and then tore his ACL before his junior year. But he's still in the early declare. He broke out at 18 years old in the SEC, and he got that second round draft capital that we're looking for. We also know that the Steelers are very good at drafting wide receivers. So the fact that they like him and they're willing to spend second round draft capital on him actually makes me like him even more. Now, Deontay Johnson's contract is up after this year, so we'll see what the Steelers decide to do with that situation. And the Steelers were able to draft a somewhat NFL-ready quarterback in Kenny Pickett. But George Pickens really profiles as a legit number one X receiver in the NFL. We'll see what they do this year and how they line these guys up. But my guess is that they leave Deontay Johnson and George Pickens on the outside. And maybe they move Chase Claypool on the inside as a big slot. Because we've seen him struggle a little bit on the outside. But I do think George Pickens is a bit undervalued. I've come around a long way on George Pickens. He's gonna be two years removed from that ACL injury. So I'm perfectly fine grabbing him towards the end of the first round of Dynasty Rookie Drafts. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, coming in at number 10, James Cook. James Cook got the second round draft capital that we were looking for, and he was able to land on the Bills. Obviously a great offense, but this was a team that was specifically looking for that pass catching running back. They signed Duke Johnson, they almost signed J.D. McKissick, and now they're bringing in Cook, who was one of the best pass-catching running backs in this class. The way I see it, the Bills remain very pass-heavy. James Cook is on the field a ton, running routes and catching passes. Last year, Devin Singletary ran the third most routes among all running backs last year and ended up with only 50 targets. And people might say, well, maybe Josh Allen just doesn't like to check it down. Or maybe he doesn't like to check it down to Devin Singletary because he isn't that good in the receiving game. 
Among all 24 running backs with at least 50 targets last year, Devin Singletary was dead last in the NFL in yards per route run. Among all those running backs, he was second to dead last in yards per reception. So yes, they needed an upgrade there, and James Cook is their guy. He is going to kill that role. Now, don't make the mistake that he's going to do everything for them. He probably won't get 20 carries a game. He might not even get 15 carries a game. He probably won't be their goal line guy. I think he's going to have a very specific role, and I think a PPR RB2, I think that's in his range of outcomes next year. With some upside, of course. All right, guys, that was it. That was the top 10 rookies after the NFL draft from a fantasy football perspective, of course. Now, if you want the rest of my rankings and if you want to know how I feel about all of these prospects post-NFL draft, you can check out my rookie draft kit. Link is below. I go over every single player in depth, and I have a blurb pre-draft, and I have a blurb post-draft for each of these guys, along with rankings, of course. Take it easy, guys. See you later.